good evening, Guam. Welcome back to the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. I'm your host, Tyrone Titano. And we're here listening to the music of New Order from the 1980s. And tonight we're going to examine a program that's gone on for 15 years now called Guardians of the Reef. It's uh, run by the Bureau of Statistics and Plans with funding from the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. And it takes uh, high school students from uh, several high schools around the island and trains them uh, in how to educate uh, grade uh, school children uh, about the coral reefs. And as a matter of fact, uh, they had their workshop just last Saturday and they're going to be sent out to third graders in, in grade schools around the, uh, the island. Uh, to educate them about the reefs, and uh, we're going to discuss that uh, here on the on the show tonight. And uh, and later on the program, we're going to have one of the teachers involved in the program and some of the students who are going to go out and uh, educate third graders about the coral reefs. But to start with, I have two guests here. One is uh, Patrick Keeler, who is an employee for the Bureau of Statistics and Plans uh, under the uh, Coral Reef Program. And also here is Marie Ayung, who is our local National Geographic and Atmospheric Administration person. Uh, who's under whose funding we've uh, uh, provide for a number of things, including Patrick's salary and also <laughs> for the, the Gardens of the Reef. Good evening to you both. Hi, Patrick. Good evening. And Marie, thank you for coming on this program. Half a day, Tyrone. Thanks oh. very much for the invitation. Pleasure to have you here. So anyway, just to get things rolling here, uh, Patrick, perhaps you could explain uh, what the Bureau's Coral Reef Program that's basically relied upon uh, funding sources from the federal government. What, what does it do? Sure. So I'm uh, the... Coral Reef Program, or also known as the Coral Reef, Coral Reef Initiative, began in 1997. Um, it was a GovGuam program that was uh, uh, created through some legislation, and it was designed to address six of the, six of the main threats that many of our local reefs face. Uh, uh, some of the issues are land-based sources of pollution, um, overfishing, public awareness. Uh, there's sometimes a lack in uh, uh, awareness on the issues that we face or our corals face. Um, in day-to-day or like uh, annual cycles. Um, There's also uh, recreational misuse and overuse, uh, global climate change and reef resilience, and also uh, another concern we have uh, that we address is uh, the DOD expansion, which is the Department of Defense expansion. And recently, the uh, Governor Leanne Guerrero uh, implemented a new coal reef resiliency strategy to step up uh, the entire government's response uh, to these issues and, and, and also to help um, uh, become a fr- better framework for our work with collaborators, including NOAA and including private sector partners. So perhaps, um, uh, Patrick, you could explain, by the way, what do you do for the Coral Reef for the benefit of our listeners? So I'm the watershed coordinator for the Coral Reef Initiative, uh, which is just basically a fancy way of saying I coordinate a lot of projects. Um, for me, uh, most of my work is terrestrially based, so I do a lot of work on land as opposed to um, my uh, fellow workers who do stuff in the water, such as um, they do coral reef uh, gardens, um, they do uh, coral reef monitoring. Um, but a lot of the stuff I do is like, I address the land-based sources of pollution to reduce the amount of erosion that is affecting our near shore coral reefs. And, and, and um, that involves basically planting trees and other uh, yes. natural, uh, natural uh, 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 shrubs and other things to help to help prevent soil erosion, which runs out to the ocean and and contributes to coral bleaching. Absolutely, yeah. And um, a lot of a lot of the heavy lifting um, is actually done by one of our local agency partners, uh, the Department of Agriculture, um, the Soil and Water. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Forestry Shoot. and Soil Resources. There we go. <laughs> I always confuse that one. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, no. I'm. Uh, they do the heavy lifting. They, you know, they uh, grow all the trees in the nursery and they. Um, basically 
uh, do all the management and whatnot of the properties and uh, the Bureau of Statistics and Plans where the Coral Reef Initiative is housed, we help coordinate getting volunteers there, making sure that all like some of the um, uh, more dreary bureaucratic stuff gets finished in order to make sure that all of these projects go through as seamlessly as possible. Yeah, just to perhaps clarify, one of the elements of the governor's vision in, in doing a new coral reef residency strategy is to transition uh, the focus of the coral reef uh, uh, work of the governor of Guam away from the uh, planning agencies of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans and more to resource management agencies like the Director of Ag Department of Agriculture headed by uh, Chelsea Winnie Breck. And this will take a while to do, uh, particularly as the Department of Agriculture is in the process of building uh, capacity right now. Uh, but the idea is to, f to, to focus on on directing more resources and uh, and co better coordinated um, resource management agencies into the job of protecting our coral reefs. So perhaps, um, uh, yeah, since it's the subject of coral reefs, maybe you could give um, our listeners a, a broad brush update as to where we stand with the coral reefs. Oh, Tyrone, can I yes. just interrupt for a minute? Absolutely. Actually, you know, Patrick, I had a question for you. Um, if we can just uh, if we can just step back a moment. So your title is actually Watershed Project Coordinator. Can you briefly explain what a watershed is for some of our listeners who might not really have a good understanding of what right. that term means? Yeah, so uh, a watershed is a way of, like, defining a topographical feature. Um, it's basically taking a area where all of the water falls in a basin, like, from all the way from the topmost ridge to the... Um, uh, I guess towards the near shore reef area where all the all hence of the, hence the uh, hence the uh, accurate, uh, the uh, axiom of ridge to reef absolutely so basically all of the water that falls within this basin uh, or you can even think of it as a bowl will uh, land all along this uh, topographical area and flow into all of the near shore waters of this area and that's what we define as a watershed okay and the only reason why I'm asking is because sometimes I think people have a hard time figuring out why it is that you're planting trees if ultimately you're working for a coral reef project yeah yeah, yeah. so um, <laughs> thank you Marie see Patrick and I have this boring conversation for a lot <laughs> so sometimes I forget that you know not everyone has been as immersed in this as I've had to do in the last year so no that thanks please feel free to help out you know and before we get too geeked out Patrick and I and talking about this stuff so. yeah so we 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 want to address the up, upper um, areas like the ridge areas of these watersheds because all of the activities that happen in these and I'm, I'm gonna say watershed a lot during this talk well, so aren't you the watershed coordinator so there you have permission to do that well so. <laughs> all of the activities that happen in upland areas also affect um, our near shore coral reefs as well so it's very important for us to address the the entire uh, the entirety of these uh, areas Cool. Yep. For those of you who are uh, tuning in, the reason why we're, we're getting into this sort of detail and the purpose of this show and the reason why I, I uh, accepted KFUSN's kind offer to, uh, to host it was to provide a long-form basis to go into these issues in detail, uh, which is not over necessarily um, open for a competitive news media environment, which the normal outlets have to have to engage in. But hopefully, we can provide a platform for the show. And thank you for tuning in uh, to News Talk K57. And also, uh, for those who are watching this on television, those of you who are watching on the uh, weather channels on Docomo Channel Three and on GTA Channel Three, uh, Docomo Channel Two, and GTA Channel Three. Thank you very much for uh, for tuning in. Uh, so, Marie, this is a uh, a program and that's funded under the uh, roughly four hundred sixty thousand dollar grant the bureau receives from NOAA. Um, by the way, aside from the grant for the coral reef program, 
Uh, NOAA also provides funding for the Guam Coastal Zone Management Program, who, who last week we had featured with Edwin Rages. That's right. Yes, who I who I made read verbatim the 18 areas <laughs> of policy concern, which is the basis of federal consistency. And even at that, we got phone calls after that, you know, and not having lost in too many people, hopefully. But uh, I, I generally, perhaps, you know, for the um, for the benefit of the uh, uh, also the other audience whose uh, notice of NOAA probably is only on two things. One, the National Weather Service, or two, really, really esoteric, pure science research on the oceans. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could play, uh, uh, elaborate on the broad mission of, of the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. Well, I think one of the things, one of the, the biggest misconceptions about NOAA is that people think that it's within the Environmental Protection Agency. Most people don't realize that NOAA is within the Department of Commerce. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why this is is because historically um, our economy was based very much on agriculture. It was based on maritime, maritime activity. And so this required people to be able to use science to either help predict the weather and or to help do charting. So that's part of the reason why NOAA is basically is in the Department of Commerce. Um, but really, the way that I like to explain NOAA's mission is really science to serve people. Um, and it's it's not just about conservation for the sake of having a beautiful ocean, although, of course, we really are concerned about the animals and the aesthetics of it. It's really we want to think about how do we manage our resources sustainably, whether it is um, marine life, whether it's fish, whether it's the coastal zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really how I like to think about NOAA, science that serves the people. And in the in respect to the uh, Coral Reef Grant, which is afforded to the Bureau of Cities and Plants, aside from funding the Guardians of Reef, and aside from uh, funding um, uh, professionals like Patrick and also Whitney Hoot uh, for the program itself, it also um, helps fund um, the long-term monitoring uh, program at the University of Guam Marine Lab uh, of mm-hmm. the coral reefs, which is an important part of our defense for uh, the uh, salts that, are, that have uh, uh, constantly uh, visited on the coral reefs and are expecting the years to come, particularly for climate change. One stunning statistic over the last decade here is in the last like seven years, we've had what five major coral bleaching events in about roughly about the last seven years or something something like that, mm-hmm. and that is uh, is almost globally unprecedented, meaning that it never happens anywhere else in the world. And as a consequence, there's been major uh, downfalls in in, in coral reefs, particularly in shallow areas. And uh, one of the reasons for the governor's new coral reef resiliency strategy is to help step up uh, preparations to build resiliency for these uh, for these sort of things. And part of that process is is to as a, is to get the community involved. Uh, coral reefs, like climate change, like a lot of other things, are just so large. They're not really the sort of thing you can solve by a single government agency or a single grant. That's right. It really takes collaboration. Uh, by not only the local government but federal partners like like NOAA, and also private sector groups and and the community at large. And uh, actually, this program is is sort of part of that process here. The more information you get out to the public and awareness about the coral reefs, the more uh, uh, capacity you're building within the community to help support dealing with this monumental long-term challenge to our community here, which is not just a challenge to our quality of life, since we have a tourism-based economy uh, for to a large extent. Um, our assets, uh, for reason why visitors visit here, is our natural environment, of which the coral reef is one, and in which case there are a number of, um, of, uh, of measures to involve the community here. And, and, and I, as a matter of fact, in, in your, um, it, it, they're not necessarily directly related to, to, 
to uh, to uh, coral reef funding here. But in your work as um, as a watershed coordinator and, and planting trees and other natural shrubs, that relies to a large extent on volunteer help. Does it not? Uh, almost completely. Almost yeah. completely. Yeah. Uh, the I mean, not to denigrate the work that the Department of Agriculture. No, does. let's get seen on the top. Yeah. The Department of Agriculture is understaffed. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, in order to get you know four thousand trees in in a single day, we obviously need you know local and community support so yeah no uh without without community support these uh planting planting projects and planting days would take months and months and months longer than they actually do and, and one thing speaking about uh, volunteer help one thing that that uh, plans are for using the NOAA grant funding that's provided the bureau is is to step up a volunteer conservation officer program to help uh, expand uh, the the the, uh, the depth of conservation officers available to the Department of Agriculture to uh, make sure that people aren't doing something that endangers the environment or or particularly the reefs and that's an important part of of, of the approach in actually bringing resiliency uh, against threats to the coral reef you know not not just not just from climate change although that's a big one but also man-made ones. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, um, your uh, colleague Mallory Morgan is in the process of developing a program to group in uh, marine tour operators and provide e- education for them so they can uh, steer them out to best practices for protecting the reefs and also communicate it to the tourists. Like the classic horror story uh, is the tourist who goes in there and carves up a piece of living coral as a souvenir and it's not done maliciously. It's kind of in part our fault because we don't t- do enough to educate them about what's at stake here. But in part by working through the marine tour operators, we pro- get that education across here. And uh, and uh, it, it, I think that and a number of other steps are, I, I think, an important part of the strategy. I, I think one of the great things that you've identified, Tyrone, is you've already identified conservation officers. We've identified people to plant trees. Mm-hmm. You've identified um, schools. You've also identified marine tour operators. I think one of the really great things about working and talking about an ecosystem such mm-hmm. as a coral reef is that because it's so big it requires so many different people to Mm -hmm. improve it and also you know it's also since we're on this island too all of these people happen to enjoy this resource too so i think it's an amazing opportunity for people Mm -hmm. to actually be engaged in their environment and nobody necessarily needs to be a marine biologist and have to be able to scuba dive in order to affect the reef i think that's one of the great things about patrick's work as a watershed coordinator there's a lot of different opportunities on land and in the ocean and at the beach to help improve essentially like our island yes and also uh, just uh, just for the sake of equal time uh, we also get a roughly about 260,000 from the Department of Interior for their coral reef grant here and uh, one of the projects they that's ongoing right now just to give a sense as to how some of the stuff is interrelated is a project that was uh, spawned by um, uh, Whitney Hoot you know and perhaps the coral reef program working with uh, your predecessor Adrian Lorzo from NOAA and as well as uh, as the uh, Moffness, the head of the forestry division here, and as the project two for bamboo removal at the at a major watershed, That's right. in order to um, you, you perhaps you want to describe that project some. A oh yes, yeah. so um, uh, we'll be we'll be doing a bamboo removal project within the uh, habitat blueprint area, which is basically found within the confines of the village of Marizo. Um, we'll be removing invasive bamboo. Um, along the Manel and the Gaius rivers. Which are identified as priority watersheds for that have to be given priority attention in order to protect uh, the coral reefs and runoffs of sediments from those watersheds, right? Yeah, so basically currently we have three priority watersheds found in uh, either the Manel Gaius, which is Marizzo, uh, Pediasin, um, uh, those watersheds, and then also we've just added Tumon as one, as one of the most um, uh, built up and industrialized areas and 
uh, one of the largest areas of tourism activity, we thought it'd be an interesting challenge and also an important way for us to... Um, and I should be added, just because we only have, at this point, three priority watersheds, it doesn't mean there aren't important watersheds elsewhere. But given the limited resources we have, at least at this point here, this is a way of focusing on what's the urgent need first. But there are a lot of watersheds correct, around correct, the island yeah. that, that, are, that are important to this one. These are just the ones that have been turned. This should be given the principal focus on, given the limited resources we have. And, and Patrick, can you explain why it is that you're removing bamboo from those rivers? Yeah, so basically, especially in um, uh, Maritza, um, I don't know if any of you have ever been down there during a heavy rain event, but uh, the, the Barcenas culvert um, found in uh, in the area often will get the bamboo stands falling in into the river being uh, swept uh, during periods of heavy rain and they'll uh, clog up the existing infrastructure and create flooding that not, not only uh, interrupts through traffic but also negatively impacts all of the surrounding neighbors and um, uh, like dom- uh, residences in the in the area so, so- Oh, yeah, uh, no, yeah no, so, please, please ask. Yeah. So we've done uh, pilot projects in the past where we removed just even a few clumps within the area, and we got reports from, you know, some of the residences saying, you know, this actually did have an effect, um, you know, if, if it's possible, like, continue. So what we're, what we're doing now is we are planning on upscaling this project from a small little pilot project of five, uh, five clumps to basically removing a half mile of um, these ba- invasive bamboo, and um, replanting with native vegetation that will more um, effectively hold hold the stream bank together, which will reduce land loss, uh, reduce sediments going into the near shore wa- waters, both negatively impacting water quality, but also the e- existing coral habitat as well. In other words, contributes to coral bleaching, the sediment runoff. Uh, uh, negatively impacting coral health. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think that this is a great example of a science serving people, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, bamboo removal. I'm sure that all. Of, I'm sure that you and your predecessor before you tried different ways to remove bamboo, right? Yeah. So it, it took I think about maybe two, two possibly even more um, like pilot projects to test out different methodologies to not only. Um, find a methodology that's effective for you know a- actively removing the bamboo but also worth the amount of time that you invest in it as well so that's really i mean so from my standpoint that's really cool because it's science it's trial it's error guess again try again but then it's science serving the purpose of people as well i mean these are people whose land is impacted either the land is actually actively washing away right because of the culvert um because of the buildup in the culvert or um there's or yeah there's flooding so i mean this or is also both yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's bad <laughs> yeah. um so, I mean, I think it's a great example of like how science can also improve people's lives. Yeah, um, we're, we're looking forward to the potential of continuing this project in the future years and continuously upscaling it to effectively serve uh, the people of Guam. Well, I think what will contribute to this one is the emerging concept, actually it's full-blown here, is of not only development but sustainable development, how everything is sort of interconnected to one another. Absolutely. Uh, we live in a time when... Uh, yes, the usual usual political catchphrases, you know, we only do health education and public safety. But I found that people out there also want the government to do smart things, mm-hmm. uh, smart things for the long term. And uh, projects like this work like this, where you uh, rely upon pro- professionals and you, you do the science. One, one of the things where the people have, uh, may have time um, of not noticed some of this going on is because this is real hard to explain. Uh, even the limited time available to to you two here is this we're just scratching the surface of all the hard work and the research and the analysis and 
And thank you for you two for sparing the audience the real technical details that <laughs> involved in that so we don't get lost in jargon uh, that goes into figuring out how to do this and to experiment and then come up with something and then and to implement a pilot project and all of a sudden people in the neighborhood want more because they see the end value here of all those boring, tedious surveys and samplings and studies and, you know, and number crunching, et cetera. It ends up uh, contributing to a positive outcome for the uh, for the community, uh, it, it, which is going to be of increasing importance over the coming years because we have um, we live on a geographically isolated island, so it's not as if we got a lot of land to like you know if we screw up here we can move there. That's not how this is going to work, and it's all going to be um, kind of interrelated. Uh, and part of process of, of that process also is is building public support and. And uh, what, as you know, both know here, there is a great deal of awareness among uh, young people about the environment. And I think that's one reason for the popularity of the Gardens to Reef program. Uh, Marie, you've been involved in this program long, even, or have been able to observe this program even long before your current tenure with, with NOAA. So maybe I, I'd be interested in hearing your observations about this program. I, I, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll have the confession here. Until I became a director, I've never heard of it. And in like my first three weeks, I saw it on the schedule here, and, so, and then I, had, I was given some description of it. Then I went to see the wor- workshop last year on the Gardens of Reef, and the first thing that popped in my mind is, why the hell don't most people know about this? You know, and it's been going on for how many years? Uh, so this year we, we made a push for getting more press attention. We got some articles in the PDN, and we're going to do this program here. But for, for people who are new to the program or have never heard of it until, until they've listened to this radio show, uh, maybe give them a sense of your experience of what the program's been like. Sure, no problem. I mean, one of the great things about, one of the things that's so amazing to witness about Guardians is just the tremendous energy that both the students and the teachers really put into this effort. So this is a program that um, started in 2005 uh, with Dr. Romina King. Back then in 2005, she wasn't a doctor yet. Uh, she was a choral fellow at the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. And um, she and Banji Lujan uh, worked together to essentially create this model where high school students um, go into third grade classrooms and do a script of about, oh, I think maybe about 45 minutes, right, Pat? They do a, yeah. a, a classroom session about but 45 what, minutes. But what are your impressions over the year of what the things been like? Oh, I mean, I love working with the high school students. So I've seen their trainings at least, I think I've been involved in helping to facilitate them in some form or another, maybe six or seven mm-hmm. times by this point. And usually there's anywhere from 100 to 150 high school students who are working together yeah. in teams and working and, together and, and from different And by the way, as a school. testament of her enthusiasm, she was there on Saturday with me, even though she didn't have to be there. Oh, no, it's on easy. On Saturday. And so that, that's a testament. Now we have a, we actually have a caller calling and they have a question here on Line one caller, what's your question? Hi, how's the day? Um, yeah, uh, first thing, commending what you guys are doing, it's awesome. We need to super take care of our little island that we have, and every square inch is precious. Because there's not more of it, it's it's, it's done. So, you guys kind of touched on the kids, um, aspect and getting them aware and in the classroom and all that. What, What I would like to suggest is like. The immediate families that are like around these rivers, they're so narrow and they, it's so easy for them to get choked up. If you have them take pride and, and maybe work out something where the kids, you know, is, is, is working off a science credit or something, you know, uh, as early as, and have them really take pride in that river. Because they're the ones that are going to be, you know, they're right next to it, you know, all the time. Yeah, sure, great for a student to come down from Simon Sanchez down to Marito, but let's face it, he's only going to do that like once a year, maybe, you know, twice. You're lucky if 
the organization gets together. But I think if you get the, the families that are right next to the river and that really take pride. And second of all, I'd like for you to really candidly address the problem of the off-roading and what effect does that have and, and be really blunt and honest. Yeah, yeah, I'll first call her. First of all, thank you, you raise a very thank good thank, and thank you so much for calling in. Okay. To speak to your question about community involvement, that has actually been examined, particularly as some of the solutions that are being uh, looked at uh, for things like flooding on the south, uh, not only marine pneumatic, and they're looking for solutions that aren't necessarily engineering solutions, like you you build something uh, concrete to divert a river, but green solutions. For example, in the Amatic River, what they're examining is is a, a doing a program of regular maintenance and then taking the excavated soil and put it into some uh, environmentally sanitary biomesh and use it to build up the riverbank. Well, that's the sort of thing that, uh, although to start with, you'll need uh, you know something from public works to do here, but it's a sort of thing that you can do this on a almost a cottage industry basis for maintenance once the major stuff is sort of installed. Uh, I, I think also in, in uh, Patrick and your work, as we touched on earlier, um, uh, a lot of what uh, is is done not only for your uh, for your um, uh, tree planting involves volunteers, but also I, I because uh, I think some of it is has been considered by examining turning and service learning. A credit into that to expand that pool. I, I, I know certainly that the Center for Island Sustainability and some of their soil erosion control work has involved students and in, in all. But but I think your larger point of getting the community involved, I, I think that uh, that's a really valid point that she should, should be examined. Patrick, you're saying? Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that the um, uh, you were talking about bringing the students down to the river, and um, the these two projects are um, are separate. The families that we are working with down in Marizo, uh, specifically along the Barcinas culvert. Um, are actually very involved and, you know, take pride in especially, like, their land and, you know, are very concerned about, one, the land loss, but also the flooding. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Guardians of the Reef program uh, trains students to go and teach other students. Uh, basically, we take high schoolers and uh, take them to a training for one day, and then we teach them all of these different activities and methods in order to teach other students. And then we bring them, we, we uh, bust them down to all of the public third grade schools uh, around the island. So we've actually built it up over the past couple of years where uh, not every public school managed to be um, or to host a training. And now we've moved it to where every public school is able to take part in it, at least for the third grade. And, and what we found is that we seem also seem to get veterans guardians coming back for the same for the program in, in subsequent years. That's absolutely and, right. Yeah. And, one, one of the teachers who was actually there on Saturday, she was an ex-guardian. Wow. You know, <laughs> and which is the sort of thing you want to uh, because these programs are not only just to. Uh, for the for to mobilize the, the students and teachers directly involved in it, but it's also meant to inspire other people, whether in this program or another program, to uh, get involved or be supportive of efforts uh, to protect our environment and, and and you know in this case the coral reefs here. Uh, one of the reasons again why um, I decided to do the show is is to give a platform for events like this, uh, so we, that people can be aware of, of 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 the good work happening out there. There are more than enough radio and media shows to cover all the bad things, you know. Um, but to focus on the really serious good work having the community of involving uh, involving our youth in particular, in this case here, that's really important. Uh, we're heading up to the news right now. My name is Tyrone Titano. I'm hosting uh, the show. We, it's called The Data Hub. I'm here with Patrick Keeler and Maria Young, uh, from, respectively, from the Bureau of Statistics and Plans and also from the National Oceanographic and Atmosphere Administration. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> National Oceanographic and Atmosphere Administration. I've got to slow down saying that like I've learned That's to slow down today. saying the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. 
both kind of tongue tweezers. But uh, you're listening to music from New Order as we take it up to the top of the hour for the radio news. Tyrone Titano, and welcome to the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. And we're listening to music uh, by New Order. And for those of you uh, in the studio who have not familiar with it, this is from an ancient part of human history called the 1980s. And uh, I don't know, if any of you seen the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer? Uh, you, if, you, if you see it for the new Wonder Woman movie, there's an orchestral version of the song that's in the background of the trailer. So, uh, Anyway, we have in our studio, uh, to continue our discussions of the Guardians of the Reef program, four guardians. And uh, one of the uh, t- uh, valiant teachers that really help uh, sustain this program. So before we start, I'm going to go around and to uh, introduce everyone. The first one is uh, Christiana Ibaya. Ibio. Ibio. Hi, Christina. Thanks for coming. And here is Mercy Gionai. Gioni, you know, I'll get this ready by the end. I just, I just stick with the first names and ask you to give the first name. And also, uh, Gavin Beharan. Beharan, okay. Beharana. And, and Vanessa Tomai. Vanessa Tomo. Vanessa Tomo. Oh gosh. <laughs> so anyway, thank you all four for for coming in to participate in this program and and put up with my mangling of your last names. Now I'm going to try one more time with one of the the teachers who's been involved in this pro in this program, Christine O'Donnell. No, Christine O'Donnell. Deirdre O'Donnell. Deirdre. Deirdre O'Donnell. I'm sorry. Christine O'Donnell is a news person. So, you know, thank you, Deirdre, for coming in. Uh, these four students, um, they've, uh, uh, three of them are what's called veterans guardians. They have been involved in the program last year. So they've gone through the whole cycle of going to a workshop to learn how to, uh, uh, or what recitations to make to third graders, and to gone out to the uh, third grade, uh, to the elementary schools to uh, educate uh, third graders. And uh, Vanessa here is a newbie. She's uh, uh, for the cycle. She's um, uh, been to the workshop last Saturday at the Holiday Inn, and um, she's getting uh, prepped up for her first uh, foray into that dangerous uh, place known as the primary school, you know, and to deal with third graders. You know, I was watching some of the training on Saturday, and particularly I was, I was uh, very impressed by all the uh, techniques to keep third graders quiet so they listen to this stuff. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with you, Vanessa. What is your, uh, what, uh, what, how do you think about your experience so far in the Guardians 3 program? Um, well, this is my first time going to the program, so, and it's been good, so um, I like it. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with the third graders and having fun with them. What, what's the most memorable moment from your workshop on last Saturday? What, uh, what's um, one thing that kind of stuck out for me about that experience? The towards the end of the program, we 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 broke into groups mm-hmm. and we um, we made our own songs about corals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how we can uh, help protect the corals, um, the importance of the corals, and then we sang it in front of everyone. 
Ah, so, yeah. oh, very good. So better, better on a friendly <laughs> audience before you go to the hostile <laughs> audience in the third grade. So anyway, uh, Christi uh, Christiana? Yes. Yes. Uh, you're one of the veterans here. Um, you've gone through the whole experience of yes. going through the workshop, getting prepped, getting sent out to, to um, make the presentation to third graders. What's, what, what was that experience like? It's honestly really fun, uh, especially because the kids, you know, they're very interactive. They're very fun. You know, they can really read off your energy. So mm. like if you're like happy and you're like all out confident, they'll be confident too. And they're, they're just really, you know, happy to see you there. So you're, you're a veteran in the program and I mean you did the program last year, yes. but you also came back this year, mm -hmm. right? What, what made you may have indicated in your, in your response here, but what made you do this for a second year? Because, oh, because oh, I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher growing up. Mm. So it made me like, want to have fun with them and every time I I used to work at a daycare mm. as my internship and I would ask them how was school and they would be like eh, it's okay yeah you know and I wanted to change that so I wanted to ask them oh how was school and I wanted them to be like oh it was great you know we learned something new today and yeah what, what grade are you in I am a senior at I, George Washington uh, and, and after graduation and do you plan to uh, continue your, your education to become a teacher or something yes. along those lines ah well just from your enthusiasm i think uh, i look forward to you having that career because i think you'll be a valuable addition to the to the profession you know there there are people who do their jobs yeah. and there are people who are passionate about doing jobs who care about doing their jobs that makes all the difference in the world you know mm -hmm. and so uh, the admonition do work that you love and i can tell education is work that, which, that you're going to love that uh, i think you'll be a great addition to the uh, to the teaching profession that, that Deirdre is already a part of, so, and, and so is important to the future. Uh, Mercy, what was your experience uh, last year like? Um, I was new to it last year, mm -hmm. so I, I was stepping into, well, I just went in there because my advisor, she, she, she recommended it to me. And, but but when, why, why did you accept your advisor's advice? What was the... Well, I'm always up for new things. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I actually learned a lot of stuff when I went through the program like stuff I didn't know before, like how we can harm them, ways to protect them. So like not only the elementary students learned, I learned as well along the way. Mm, okay, and, and you've come back again for uh, this year's cycle as well. Yes. What, what brought you back for the cycle, to, to learn more or, um, or to just, just the experience? I just really the experience. So. The, the, the part of going to the third graders or the workshop part? Both of it, ah. honestly. They're both really fun. Okay. As I said, I mentioned earlier there were techniques there demonstrated to keep the third graders quiet and stuff here. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you find that's a major problem when you go out there to the classes, or are they immediately enraptured with what you're doing? We have this thing called shark fin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I got there at the wrong time, so I had to participate in the process of doing <laughs> shark fins and, and raising them above your head. And so, you know. And, but unfortunately, I had into the practice, so I was the least graceful shark fin person doing it <laughs> in, in the presentation. But so, uh, did you guys do that last year, or is this uh, is this? Oh new? yeah, we did oh, okay. it last year too. Oh, so it's it's a tried and true technique. Yes, you know, based it on works. experience. For those of you who aren't aware, the Gardens of Reef program is, this is now its fifteenth year, and uh, one of the reasons why I um, uh, have invited these. Uh, these uh, valiant guardians on the show, as well as one of their uh, teachers, Deirdre here, is is to help uh, spread the information about this really important program, uh, which I believe more people should know about, and not only to get more interest in participating, but to inspire people to do uh, more for the environment, particularly for the coral reefs. And so to, to that extent, I want to commend you all for being part, not just the labor you contributed to actually educate third graders, but providing that inspiration, 
which is really one of the goals of this program here, to, to get people involved and by their example, inspire more people to get involved in whatever to help support the coral reefs. And another one of these gardens we have with us is, uh, is Gavin. Hi, Gavin. You, you did this program last year? Yes, I did. It was well, my first year last year. Oh, okay. Okay. What was, the, what was that experience like for you? It was really good. Um, my very first presentation was actually at the workshop in front of all the high schools. What, 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 was, what was the, what did you present? What, give, a, give probably the audience, maybe walk through what was the presentation like? I mean, what were you exactly telling people? Well, we were going off the script and we were... You were improvising. Yes, we were okay. improvising because, you know, um, so I had two other veteran guardians with me, but I was the only newbie. Mm-hmm. And... At first, I was really nervous, but as it kept going, I started to catch on, and it was really enjoyable. And From the performance aspect of it? I guess. Yes. Ah, okay. Well, it's always great when you have a job that taps your creative uh, potential as well. And so that was the workshop. What was it like to go to, uh, to, to, the, to the elementary schools? Oh, that was the best part. Um, ah. Yeah. Just on the bus ride, you're just thinking about how are the kids going to be today? And right when you walk in, it never failed. All you see is all the kids smiling, walking, watching, and like all walking in. Uh, and immediately, you just have this energy like, oh, I'm so ready to teach today. <laughs> so how many guardians were in that presentation? Uh, you, you, you present in a group, right? At the workshop? Well, no, when you go out to the third graders, how many, uh, how many guardians are involved in the presentation to each third grade group? Well, in each class, we usually have like four or five. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a sort of a group presentation. Yes. Okay, well, it, it also gets them more engaged when there's something, a lot of activity as opposed to one person talking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in how many gr- uh, grade school classes, I guess, you, you visited? How many uh, uh, did you actually reach in the pre- with your presentations? The schools? Yeah. Uh, we've gone to six. Six schools in, in, in the last cycle here. Okay, yes. and it wasn't, it wasn't boring or tedious by around the fifth or sixth school? It no, was, every okay. single school was fun. Oh, well, that, that's probably enriching because it involves um, um, kids involved in getting them active to you. Um, you know, I would be interesting uh, to, uh, to if we ever come across somebody who was a third grader and got their, this presentation like maybe a decade ago mm-hmm. and uh, how that influenced it. Do you ever think about that, that how it'll influence them as they grow up? Yeah, that's actually the whole point of this program so that when we teach them when they're little, mm-hmm. they will go on to remember what we taught them and hopefully they'll follow it. And by the time they're, they're, they're our age, they'll teach it to the younger ones too. Mm-hmm. So we could preserve everything that's going on like around the island and also like the world too. Mm-hmm. Christiana, you want to say something? Oh, I was saying like how he did say that they remember. Sometimes when I'm at the store, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember you from the skit. And I'm like, wow, Wow. like, oh, my God, it's so, you know, you know, you've done a good job when they remember you, you know. You've made you've made a difference. Yes. Because they they remember. And so that's their You're part of their experience and and learning and growing up there. Yeah. Well, you're going to be a great teacher. Uh, I can can just tell from that one there, you know. So so Mercy, having uh, uh, having. heard all this you know are you and i'm sorry i'm sorry mercy i'm sorry vanessa <laughs> having heard all this yes. uh yeah uh, i'll get this right i'm sure by the end of the program i know everybody's <laughs> names and get everything right by the end of the program so vanessa having having heard all this about what's what's ahead of you here what what, what does that make you think about about what's coming up when you go out to the third grade classes um all i can say is i'm excited um you know it's it's not easy to teach Mm-hmm. third graders but i am very excited ah yeah, well so 
just hearing what what they're talking about the experience and like um just recognizing them in public and stuff that's sounds amazing so i'm excited for that well fantastic well well veteran guardians here's your opportunity to give uh, the newbie some advice before they're she's thrust out into the field and and given to um, given to the uh, tender mercies of third grade classes here. What uh, let's go down this, Gavin? What advice would you give um, Vanessa as she goes out there? Well, first you want to have their attention. You don't want to always be looking down on the paper, yeah. you know, like following the script exactly. You kind of want to just remember it, but then also put your little own like taste and twist into it, so that as you go on the kids get more intrigued into it and instead of them just dazing off they're like actually paying attention to you like and they're screaming like yes i want to learn more (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, sorry okay Uh, and then and the mercy what would you suggest to vanessa before she she go heads out um honestly like it's good to memorize the script but at this like like he said like don't memorize like every word like throw in like little bits of you know like local stuff because I'm sure they can relate. There's lots of stuff in the script that they can relate to, and even bring props when they feel like bleached coral. They're gonna be like shook, like oh my gosh, this is happening on Guam. So that's really cool. Yeah, maybe maybe not curse when you uh, actually actually talk to them. So uh, <laughs> just going. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> And Christiana, the up-and-coming valuable addition to the, um, to the, to the teaching profession, uh, what would you uh, advise her? So I would say to honestly be confident, you know, have fun with them. You know, they're, they're interactive. They'll, they'll have fun with you, too. And, yeah, like he was saying, don't, don't curse. Don't curse. Well, uh, yeah, I'm just making yeah. a joke there. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but in any event, I, I want to commend all four of you for, for sort of getting, this, getting involved in this. So um, you, you being a, a newbie going to this, Vanessa, and, and, and the rest of you being uh, veteran guardians, maybe this is probably your chance to talk about, um, well, what are your expectations and hopes for, um, for the environment or, or for coral reefs? What, what would you like to see? A change, you know, having having been educated about it, having gone and got immersed in the in the, in the work of um, of mobilizing people, uh, particularly young people, in support of it. Uh, I just wanted to for at this point to uh, for you to share your thoughts on this. Maybe uh, uh, starting with Christiana. Uh, I just hope you know, out of all of this, I hope they learn to. You know how recently there's like a lot of coral bleaching, a lot mm-hmm. of loss in coral, and I wish, I hope that can like get better. Like more ner- like have the corals to get better or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that, that's that's that's, yeah. an, that's important here because the the starting point to making progress is to first caring about it. Yeah. And and again <laughs> and and before that is to educate people, yeah. which is one reason why I have a program like Guardians of the Reef. And so, Mercy, what would what are your hopes for the coral reefs and the environment? Well, I really hope everyone can like you know. Uh, even a little bit of your time to like help out in your community or go out to do an outreach it actually makes a really big difference because we're at like we're already going through climate change global warming and everything and we might be the last generation to do something about it so i really hope Mm -hmm. that we all you know everyone like tries as one because we all live on the same planet so we we're basically gonna we have to help each other because our environment goes back to us so we should get back to our environment Mercy, how old are you? 
I am 17. <laughs> You're 17, and you, you, you've imparted a lot more wisdom than a lot of people my, uh, my age have, you know, and to have that sort of long-range perspective is, um, is, is, is really inspiring, I have to say, you know, and, and, and thank you for sharing that with us. So, Gavin, what is your, your hopes in, for the environment for the coral reefs? Uh, I hope that, like, 10 years from now, I can just go down to Tumon and see a bunch of beautiful, colorful coral everywhere mm -hmm. instead of having to go to some secretive beach that no one knows about just to go snorkeling, you know? It'd be nice to get that back again. And hopefully that our teachings are going to carry on and it hopefully it will work because it'd be really nice to see um, nature coming back to life again. Well, I, I think in, in recent experience, if, uh, it shows that to a certain degree it can be done. I mean, one of the, uh, uh, you, uh, you may not be old enough to remember this, but the marine preserves have been around for a while. And for those who've scuba'd in, in, in Tumon, uh, you know, we've seen the, the difference, stark difference from like a decade and a half ago. Um, and the amount of fish there, if you want what's done. Uh, I know I've had relatives who have come back and been away for like a decade or so, and they go scuba in two months, and they've seen the difference, the stark difference here. So you can, you know, with a lot of care and long-term uh, attention. And I understand the marine preserves have been a very difficult issue to manage here because people also like to fish. And uh, it's always an ongoing uh, discussion with, uh, with the fishing community here who... Um, about where the marine surf should be, and you know, and one of the more difficult things concepts to get across is that uh, because we don't know exactly where the fish spawn, the marine preserves have to be almost everywhere. You know, so there's not like we could have a preserve here and not a preserve there to actually do this. This right, it has to be every and extensive, and this has gone on for for a while. On the other hand, um, coral reefs are uh, right now under major assault from virtually climate change. And the main part of the, the main strategy right now is to build resiliency, which is basically to protect it as much as we can, uh, because some of this is in out of our control. Uh, climate change produces warming water, um, and, and uh, that produces major coral bleaching events. And then there are other things that that we can control, man-made uh, event, uh, events dealing like recreational and, and tourism-related boating. Uh, there are things that we can do on the land to prevent soil runoffs, and I don't know if you heard the discussion earlier with Patrick Creeter, our watershed coordinator, uh, but that's one of the things that are done to prevent the sediment running into the water here. Oh, yes. But but as the um, as uh, Governor Leon Garo said uh, about when she implemented the new coral reef resiliency strategy here, is that uh, the reefs and the environment are part of our environmental heritage, and we're not going to let this go without a fight. And uh, I'm. Uh, I'm near the end of my lifespan, but the, you guys are at the beginning of yours. And, 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 and after I and my generation have gone, the fight's going to be passed on to you. And it's, it's extremely encouraging uh, that, not just encouraging, but inspiring to see the level of awareness and, and caring about this issue from people so young as opposed to, you know, where's the next party? Uh, that's, that's been truly inspiring. So, Vanessa, you know... Um, how do you feel about the about the, the future for the island's environment and the coral reefs, and what would you like to see about it? Um, I would love to see a major change, because um, right now I'm 16 years old, and um, I've seen a lot of damage going on, and I would really love to to see a huge change in the in the future. And like what um, Gavin said, um, I hope our teaching do, do carry on, because uh, 
I don't know if we can make the change or just the kids can make the change. I don't know, but I I just hope that um, there's a huge major change in the future that will make our island look very beautiful. Well, as former President Obama once said, we are the change we're waiting for. So, and you guys, or all of us are to be part of that change. And the fact that you care so much about it, that's that that's really important. What what kind of damage to the environment has, has struck out to you? You mentioned you've seen damage to the environment of the reuse what what kind of has sort of struck out to you in your experience? Um, coral bleaching. Mm. Um, I, I don't know what that was in the beginning. I thought that was just some corals that, you know, I thought coral bleaching was just, a th- like, not a thing at that, like, when I was young, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I see white corals, I, I think that they're just... They're like, just white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just how they are. But... Um, As opposed to the death of a living thing. <laughs> but, like, you know, later on, I... I got like um, my teacher taught me, and she taught me about coral bleaching, and I was like, no, that I've seen a lot of those, mm. and I would love to see more color come in instead of just seeing white corals. Mm. So, uh, so when, when your teacher taught you this, where where did they teach you this? In school. In school. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, well, I'm sorry. In what grade? In what? Excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Why I slapped myself for a dull <laughs> moment there? But in in what's in what grade were you taught this? This is my freshman year. Okay. Yes. So, so, so just recently you were taught yes. this. Ah, interesting. Uh, Mercy, you had something to say? Oh, no. Sorry. No. Sorry. Okay. I thought you had something to say. But, but again, um, I, I think uh, for those of you listening here, uh, I, listening to these, these young people, this has got the heart as to why the, the Bureau has done the Guardians of Reef program and using funding from the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration uh, for now 15 years. It's more than just uh, an education awareness program. It's an investment in the future. It's an investment in these young people. And, um, and I, I think based on their comments that they're proving to be an investment uh, that will, uh, will pay off, uh, uh, is paying off uh, great dividends for any of us who can care for Guam's future, uh, not only for us, but our families and our descendants, and, um, and really to preserve the island we all we live in and we all love, and I think that's uh, that to me is the is the uh, is the most valuable part of this program. Uh, we're going to a, a break soon, and so um, yeah, I'll lead into the music again from from the 1980s, where, where none of you were born. It's a band called New Order. You can Google it and then uh, see what they're up to. And uh, when we come back, we'll. Uh, continue our conversation with these students and also with uh, one of the teachers a part of the program, uh, Deidre O'Donnell. I got that right, finally. You see, like I said, by the end of this program, I'll get everybody's names right, you know. Again, this is the Dad Hat with Tyrone Titano. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, you can listen to us on Newstalk K57. The, uh, the podcast of this program will be posted in the next few days on the Bureau of Statistics and Plans Facebook page. And so for those of you who uh, are trying to catch up with the program or that you missed the first part, you can do that. For those of you on the program, you want to hear what you sound like, you know, it'll wait for a few days. It'll be posted. Go to the Bureau of Statistics and Plans Facebook page, and there you'll have a post of the latest episode of the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano, and you can click on that. So it'll link to a Google podcast, so you'll be able to listen to that. Uh, again, uh, thank you all those listening on News Talk ABC 7 or on uh, GTA Channel 3 or Docomo Channel 2. And we'll be right back.
It's the perfect opportunity to give your storage space some tough love during the Store More, Save More event at the Home Depot. Right now, get durable, stackable, exclusive HDX black and yellow tough totes in a whole range of sizes, starting at just $4.98. You can even order online for fast and easy in-store pickup. It's a good time to be a doer and for getting organized with help from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Limited time only. Event end dates vary by store. See store for details. K57 is heating the talk up again. Patty Arroyo, the talk you need to start your day. Andrea Pelicani, the news as it happens. Logan Rages, financial news to fuel your workday. Tony LaMorena, anything goes, talk is here. A new day of Guam's hottest talk has arrived. This is News Talk K57. K57 is going green on Thursday nights with Dave Duenas and Man, Land, and Sea. Tune in for the latest on sustainability, the environment, and everything you need to know to keep our island eco-friendly. Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. Sponsored by Bureau of Statistics and Plans, Guam Coastal Management Program. Half a day. This is Lieutenant Governor Josh Tenorio. In 2020, the Census of Guam will be collecting valuable information that will help shape our future. We are now hiring field staff at $18.64 an hour to collect census information from our residents. For more information, please call the Census Office at 645-2020. That's 645-2020. Come be a part of shaping our future for a brighter tomorrow. Buenas Afanielos, Guahu si Robert Underwood, Tampara Behu Tutuhu Nuevo na programa Gwenigi K57, Jan Interro Gifino Tamoro, Fino Natibo, Pat Masclaro, Fino Hadra, Ifinota. Bula siya na, na maguf, na bubu, na mahalang, na chalik, loti na manyo. Ifinota with Robert Underwood every Monday night at 6.30 on News Talk K57. The American Association of University Women Guam Branch presents The Dish, a monthly program about issues affecting women and girls in our community. The Dish airs on K57 the last Saturday of the month from noon to 2 p.m. On The Dish, we'll talk about women's health, violence, ageism, workplace equality, financial security, and more. The Dish, serving food for thought on issues that are important to women. Brought to you by the AAUW Guam Branch on Newstalk K57. to the Dad Hub with Tyrone Titano. I'm your host, Tyrone Titano. Uh, thanks for bearing with us during the, the commercials here, one of which uh, focuses on another program of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, which is the 2020 Census of Guam, uh, for which, uh, beginning in February, hundreds of uh, field staff for the 2020 Census of Guam will be descending on all the villages of the island as part of the preliminary work of going out and collecting data for the 2020 Census of Guam. As a matter of fact, uh, we're still uh, in the process of hiring literally hundreds of people for this program. I, I, I know this because I'm the one who has to sign all the GG1s, and my hands are getting tired. But uh, the, Bureau, the Bureau and the, uh, and the Census Office in Timuning is still accepting applications, particularly for enumerator jobs that pay $18.64 an hour. 
So if you want to be a feel to be a part of this once in a decade uh, experience and earn some good money, um, applications are still being received for these positions. So come on down to the census office and and, and to Mooney. This is on the second floor of Century Plaza, the old the old offices of Docomo. You know, Docomo, which is also airing this program on their channel two, and GTA is airing this on channel three. And of course, we're coming to you from News Talk K57. And we have back in the studio uh, Christiana, Mercy, Gavin, and Vanessa. And we're joined by one of the teachers in the Guardians of Reef program, Deirdre O'Donnell. Uh, uh, Deirdre O'Donnell. How, did I get that right? O'Donnell. Deirdre O'Donnell. Like I said, in the next 25 minutes when the program's <laughs> ended, we'll get everybody right. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm going to ask for your reflections on the programs, but, but first, I, I sort of want to go around for the students that have. Uh, Provided some really inspiring observations in the previous uh, previous block, and and ask you if you any of you have any um, memorable moments from your time uh, in the um, in the Guardians of the Reef program. Uh, 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 Gavin and uh, Christiana Mercy are, are veterans. Vanessa is a newbie, but still, man, you're you're way far ahead of all those people who haven't been involved in this program. And I just want, wanted to go around and see if any of you have any memorable moments you want to share uh, uh, share in these last. Uh, 25 minutes of the program. So why don't we start with you, Christiana? So during our skit, we always say that uh, one factor of corals that can hurt corals, affect corals, would be off-roading. And the reason why off-roading is bad is because it loosens up the soil. And with that, it can cause erosion, and that can smother the coral. So we were telling the kids about off-roading, and then you always hear, we went to Inarahan Elementary, and one of the kids said, oh, I, got, I go off-roading every weekend, you know? <laughs> and you can't be like, oh, that's bad. So you just have to be like, okay, like, you know, you try to not really, you know, because they're, they're open. So sure. you have to kind of not be mean and be like, don't do that. You no, know? No, no, no. <laughs> so, oh, oh, you bad person. You're one of the problems <laughs> you're trying to solve. No, no. Well, first of all, there's a valid use for uh, recrea- uh, recreational off-roading. I, I think, and just, just to give you some perspective, there are, uh, several years ago, uh, there was a move to introduce the concept of sustainable off-roading, which struck many of the professionals in the field as being a little uh, oxymoronic. In other words, they, it didn't quite add up. Their two mm-hmm. words didn't match up together here. And so uh, I don't think that has, that has uh, acquired a, a lot of legs on it. And as, and as more and more people become aware of what has to be done to protect the reefs, and it has to start not in the reef but in the ridge, and you have to protect from sediment runoffs, and you have to protect from human activities uh, and land use policies that contribute to the to the runoff. And how measures to uh, uh, to protect the environment, including, for example, um, uh, efforts uh, uh, for uh, uh, planting of, of forestry or, or, or trees in the, what's known as the badlands, which is a classic area to do off-roading. If it's badlands next to a highway, perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those efforts. Uh, are, are, are all tied to together, uh, together, and and actually are part of um, of a concept that has emerged uh, in, in the last decade. So the idea of sustainability, which is how everything is sort of interrelated here. One of the things the um, the bureau plans to take on this year uh, is the issue of uh, comprehensive um, sustainable economic development. Here, there is a statute that's been there for like mm-hmm. half a century called the Conservative Development Plan Law, and it's the basis for the land use plans. But beyond zoning and all this other stuff, it's supposed to plan uh, growth and development, not just for the sake of development, 
uh, but see the things that preserve the quality of life and, and cultural resources and and, uh, and 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 recreational uses and environmental resources. I mean, in the in the in, this was done uh, like maybe more than half a century ago. The last time they published a plan was like in like the early 80s, wow. and si- really, you know. And since then, um, uh, they've only things given updating were on the land use portion. But as you know, since uh, since that time, there have been concepts that have emerged that didn't exist way back in the 70s or 80s. For example, climate change. Yep. Sustainability to, to a bit here, but not not the fully blown as it's now. So uh, the real point I'm sort of bringing this up, Christian, is that um, you know it, you talked about uh, the, you not wanting to offend the student, but by, by making the connection to off-roading and, and the um, and uh, and uh, protecting the coral reefs. If there is enough sustainable planning here, which involves making choices. Then you can achieve that sort of balance, which in life is really what you're, what you're after, sort of a balance. If you go to two extremes, it's not sustainable. Mm. Um, if you uh, so, and, and by making those choices, you can you can plan development in a way that pr- provides people those options, but don't um, but still preserve the stuff you want to care about here because you've planned this out and you've done the sort of balance here. In which case, you know, the person doesn't have to give up off-roading for the remainder of their lives. Yeah. Okay, you you release allow some uh, um, some solution that uh, that uh, that they can still do this here, but we can do this in a way in which the whole process of managing can protect the reefs. Mm-hmm. That's sort of one of the things we're starting uh, taking. Sorry for the tangent uh, <laughs> for this here, but um, as I've um, sort of explained, one of the reasons um, why I've done the, do this show as director of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans is to air out the sort of discussion for stuff that is kind of complicated to explain in like a 30-second soundbox in the TV news and sort of air the discussion, inspire people to, to or, or encourage people to have this discussion among themselves. Like I'm hoping uh, all of you young people, when you go back, and hope you, you've learned something from this, from this program. I've certainly learned a lot from you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it's, 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 it has bolstered my confidence in Guam's future. Because uh, the future is riding on you guys, and so uh, anyone else has um, has a st- has a story they want to tell us. Or remember a moment, uh, Mercy. Uh, Mercy. Ah, Gavin. <laughs> Mercy, Mercy. I'm afraid. Uh, I think I needs needs to cough, and every time she looks at me, to cough. I keep on thinking she wants to say something here, but but it's okay. I'm 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 doing well that I get her name right. So anyway, <laughs> so Gavin, what would you like to say? Well, if you have a memorable moment, you know that you want to share something that sticks out in your memory. Oh, the most memorable moment for mine was I was just out at the mall at Payless, you know, mm-hmm. just standing in line. And I guess that the school that I that I taught at, I guess they're all, you know, best friends and they're all together at the same time. So all I hear is like five kids behind me like, is that the guy that pre- presented? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm just standing there I'm like, what is kind of interesting? What yeah. are they talking about? Are they talking about me? And then after that, they tapped on me like, hey, were you the presenter at, for uh, Guardians of the Reef? I was like, yes. And like, wow, it's really you. And, you know, they all like wanted to give me a hug. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. I felt like uh, maybe I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your first celebrity yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, but actually, uh, I'm glad you had that experience. It sort of reinforces how really uh, valuable the work you're doing here. Um, I, I want to turn also to um, to Deirdre O'Donnell, the, the teacher here, and, and thanks for your patience. But I want to give these young people uh, perhaps for just uh, to round about people's understanding of the programs. Perhaps you could uh, talk about how uh, such 
outstanding young people like this are, are selected for the program. Well, every school kind of has their own way of doing it. So, mm-hmm. for example, I know some of the other high school teachers, they kind of monitor their classes mm-hmm. and more volunteer some of them. Hey, mm-hmm. we need you for guardians kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So pull them in through their classes like marine biology, um, specifically at my school due to our schedule being different than the other high schools. It's more of an open forum, mm-hmm. more like a club. Mm-hmm. So we, anybody interested or wants to know more, they come. We do a lunch-like meeting and teach them so, what the program is to get them into it. And they. So from your, from your particular school, you uh, set up a, a process for people who are, like, who are predisposed with an interest in the subject? or So some will join based off of like taking marine biology or hearing about it through their other classes. Um, but we do a general announcement and hold a meeting mm-hmm. to where my veterans will talk to the kids and tell them and what, what like. Guardians is, what they do kind of show them a little bit of the activities and from there that spikes their interest to join and stay with us. Okay, so. but no one no one is no one is ordered to be involved in this one. No. <laughs> uh, they all get to volunteer. Yeah. A lot of them are a lot more hesitant at first, mm-hmm. but after especially they go to either the training that, you know, we do or their first school. Mm-hmm. That hesitation's over. Uh-huh. They're hooked. Uh, it, this is also a service learning uh, yes. experience. So maybe explain um, what, what service, what's involved in service learning. So service learning is a way to encourage our younger kids, especially in high school, to go out into the community. And mm-hmm. so they earn service learning hours. So they learn. So like, for example, they learn about the coral reef mm-hmm. and the corals, and then they have to then take that and provide that service. So their service would be telling the teaching the third graders about that and then what they get back out of it, and they are in service learning. Uh, our high school is required 75 hours for graduation. And so this counts towards that yes. 75 hours of, of service learning credit. Yes. And on top of it, it's fun. Absolutely. That's something to do with here and rewarding here. Uh, you know, one thing I, I, it just occurred to me that I absolutely forgot in this interview, I forgot to ask what school everybody comes from. So, dear, dear, we'll start with you. What school do you teach at? Uh, I'm the marine biology teacher at Southern High. Southern High, and Gavin? I go to Simon Sanchez High School. Okay, and Vanessa? Uh, I go to John F. Kennedy High School, home of the Islanders. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, and Mercy? Uh, George Washington High School. Okay, and Christiana? I also go to George Washington High School. Okay, good. I, for anyone who cares, I've quadru- graduated from Father Duaneus, so. <laughs> uh, but this is in the, you know, I, I, that was in the, uh, the another period of ancient history called the 1970s, so, you know, we, we didn't have the, didn't have this program out there. Um, it, what is the, ex- I, we've asked the, uh, the guardians what this experience has been like for them as, as a teacher's been involved. How long have you been involved in this program? So this is my third year. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to get kind of pulled in by one of my coworkers when I joined mm-hmm. Southern at Guam. You were dragooned into it or drafted into it? or Yeah, drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Being the marine biology teacher, I was kind of pulled oh, into yeah. it. So, um, but coming from Florida, it's nice to know that Guam does have a program like mm-hmm. this. So I was really excited to see how this program works and how it's grown over the years mm. um, to include all of our public third grade classes. How long since you've been to Florida? Uh, I've been in Guam for three years. So For three years. So were you, uh, were you there when the... Um, a stony coral outbreak started. Yes. Ah, yes. I, I I went to a a meeting of the U.S. Coral Reef uh, Task Force in uh, about April of last year, and mm-hmm. I met with the um, uh, the coral reef coordinator for Florida, and I was just stunned 
about I think I have well, I have problems in Guam that, that I was stunned it's like up to 200 nautical miles of them done yeah. and, they're, and they're doing just so you understand there's this there's this um, uh, coral disease that's placed over the Florida Keys in a good part of Florida and it's it's devastating a major pillar of coral reefs in uh, uh, not all species but a major species that, that contributes to the coral reefs in Florida and the thing is it's it's cutting it's it's killing up in, in such great numbers quickly here and coral reefs takes a long time to grow back so it's undermining the whole process so it's gotten to the point and by the way they don't they don't have a cure for the disease but what they it's gotten to the point they're actually sending out divers to put antibiotics mm-hmm. on some of the coral reefs to protect them and they're uh, busy to when you're in a devastated area so you can preserve biodiversity and replanting them they are transplanting them and sending it to uh, aquariums as far away as Iowa to actually preserve them for the time when the, uh, uh, the disease can ravage through there and right now um, it's actually um, uh, spreading throughout the Caribbean they have cases in uh, the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and, uh, and I believe uh, Dominican Republic as well and uh, just to bring this back home to our problem what they, they, when they do an overlay of where it's beginning to appear outside Florida in the Caribbean um, it, it doesn't seem to follow the currents. In other words, it doesn't seem to follow the currents taking this around the Caribbean. However, when they do an overlay of the shipping lanes, then it makes sense, or then it looks like a pattern here. So although it's early days and they're not, there's no definitive conclusions, one of the things they're concerned about is that disease is being transported around the Caribbean through shipping. One of the major environmental concerns, particularly with uh, ocean waters and coastal waters, is the ballast water on ships and where it gets discharged and how it contributes to the environment there. So if it's, if it, and again, this is kind of early speculation, if it is actually being spread uh, by shipping here, then what is a regional problem in the Caribbean becomes a global problem that may even reach our shores. Just as, uh, again, I don't want to be the alarmist here, but as an example of how some of these concerns globally can be brought home uh, brought home to us here. Um, Deirdre, um, sorry again, sorry for the okay. tangent, but um, you know, I, I try to uh, uh, add some um, uh, information to impart some of these observations. But um, in what happened, what, what, what is your sense of, uh, of which, from your perspective, they've shared how they've, how the experience affects them. What is, from your observation, how this, uh, the impact this has on students who actually go through the entire program? It honestly builds their confidence a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take these students there, it, the hardest thing is to speak in front of their peers and to have to get up there in front of those third graders and actually play that teacher role. Mm-hmm. Like it helps with their public speaking, it helps with their confidence levels. Um, it really just helps round out their character in a lot of ways. Um, we do actually have some guardians that remember going through now that went through the program in their third grade classrooms oh. they actually remember oh so what? our younger kids do there are some are they in, are they somewhat inspired by that program or are motivated by their experiences yeah, third like graders to get a lot of times they remember you know oh. bits and pieces so it makes it easier or like um they'll pull oh i remember when the guardian did this and mm. so they kind of pull off of those experiences. so the longer we keep this going the more and more generations that will have that have that sense of memory with them mm. that'll carry it on through even the smallest thing can help carry through so mm. whether you guys think you have a big impact or not trust me you do mm. it's yeah. not just that they're greater seeing you in the store <laughs> yeah, yeah re- really and and i i cannot emphasize that beyond your own personal experiences and the third graders you come in contact with here, the example you set is inspiring. 
and it's inspiring to people who aren't in the third grade and who aren't in high school or uh, well past that, like people in my age. Either. It, it's it's very it's very encouraging for Guam's future. So, uh, uh, you know, thank you all for your hard work. You you do a lot more good than perhaps you may may appreciate it. But you talked about how this program builds confidence. I can tell that from the from the ve- from the veterans, but also I can tell it in, in in Vanessa as well, having gone through the workshop. Who is, you know, it's it's unless she's inherently courageous is excited to go out to those third graders. I think I would be nervous, you know, having, <laughs> having, having not quite mastered the, the, uh, the, the shark fin thing here. I haven't been, been mastered when I was there briefly here. That's, that's kind of very encouraging. Um, is, there, is there, from your perspective here, is there anything that you would like to see maybe improved or changed in the program that, um, not mean to put you on the spot, but just to, <laughs> but to take advantage of your three years' experience, or is there something... Uh, I mean, I, I'm learning a lot from this show as, as long as, as well as, uh, as, as the audience. So it'd be interesting to see your, your long-term veteran perspective as a teacher. As a teacher, we definitely obviously want to keep the program going mm-hmm. with any grant-written thing and generations mm-hmm. change. You always have that risk. So as long as we can show that we're still making a difference in that impact, then hopefully we won't have to worry about losing the program in the future. So with that, that's a good thing. Um, as far as improvements um, now that we are reaching all of our public schools mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see all of our public high schools involved mm. it'd be nice to reach out to some of our private schools as well yes. so we're reaching our public school kids but like Mount Carmel and some of our mm-hmm. private schools we don't venture into mm-hmm. so it'd be nice to expand and grow into those schools oh, well thank you for that note I plan to bring it up with the staff <laughs> next week you know um, uh, uh, again, uh, one of the great surprises to me was 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 seeing how the Guardian of the Reef program was in uh, late, uh, early last year, you know, and and seeing how that uh, how how excited people were getting and how uh, mm-hmm. how the the length of the outreach here. So we we plan to keep track of um, of um, how this experience continues as you go out to the third grades, and uh, use that to help build the promotions for the program. Yes. So you can build that support. So you, uh, in order to uh, bolster support for it, including financial for next year. Um, as I don't know if you had a chance to list, listen to the earlier block, but we were here with a representative Noah who was explaining how this as much is very much a part of, of Noah's mission and mm-hmm. what they do here. And they're the ones who provide the funding for the, uh, for the Guardians of the Reef. Uh, I should mention that in addition to uh, Noah's help and Patrick Keeler's help, they're a good part of persons participating in the program for um, you know, from the bureaus and helping out as a, as a planner of the bureau named Christian Benitez. He was not here for uh, Saturday's workshop because he was it was off on in some personal business, but he was there last year and he uh, he did a lot of the preparatory work that uh, that sort of led up to this year's program. Um, how many how many grade schools will these guys be reaching out to? Every high school has five. Five. So okay. out of we divide them so like depending on. Okay. I don't know who, which schools have which elementary schools right, right. <laughs> up north. Do you guys I, I just know, know my southern schools. So. Well, well, which which great schools is the Southern High School going to go to? Uh, southern High will be at Telefofo, Marizzo, Marshall Sablon, Harrius, Truman, and I'm missing one, in Iran. In Iran. And uh, do you guys know which, what schools you're going out to, or great schools? Or? Uh, we're going to Adekal Price Elementary. I think CL Titano and Ordot. Okay, okay. Anybody else have some addition for me? Ah, Vanessa. <laughs> uh, we JFK uh, will be going to Timuning, 
Chief Brody, Weddingale, Astumbo, and Juan M. Guerrero. Okay. And, yeah. and over what period do these visits happen? Um, over the, in the next few weeks, I take it? or Yeah. So over the month of February, we mm-hmm. typically do uh, one a week, depending on our schools. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, okay. So, so throughout ha- the month of February, February, we'll and maybe a little, school. maybe a little bit into March, depending yeah. on how how scheduling turns out, particularly for individual schools, and also uh, class responsibility. So, so what? How that works? It there, there's a school bus that comes that picks up the team, and then they are the ones who transport to the grade school and transports to them back. And this is, I guess, coordinated uh, with um, with I guess from the school with DBW for the have the school buses as well. Yeah, Patrick helps coordinate all those buses. Patrick okay. and Christian, so they help get us to the to our schools and back. And back, and getting back is important. Yeah, so uh, that that's important. And now, if if uh, you you mentioned that you sort of well, I'm 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 sort of, we do this in a sort of ironic, joking way, but that happens to all of us when in the workplace. We get drafted in by coworkers and stuff that we didn't didn't, we didn't plan to get involved in the first place. But I, I get the sense that you're still been involved in three years that that you're still energized by the program. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. um, it was a great it, opportunity to be pulled in, and it, I love it. Isn't that the way it was with life? You know, some of the best things are the stuff we were forced to do. You know, and yeah. and then we get into it, and you know, it just it just uh, more more. It, it, I was at. Um, not forced, but more I know, of I, a. I, I'm sort of being ironic in this one. Look at what we do. Yeah. And then oh. I couldn't. I couldn't turn away after yes, that. Yes, yes, marine biologists. Look yeah. at what we're doing. Regarding and after marine I biology. saw it, I couldn't turn away. So. Oh, yeah, that that's okay. Anyway, we're um, we're sort of heading down towards the um, bottom of the yard. We have another uh, four minutes to go, or three, or maybe about three and a half minutes to go. So, um, I'm going to ask you, Deirdre, do you have any Because I asked the four of them if any reflections or memories that. Uh, You'd like to apart as we uh, go down to the bo- to the top of the hour. Um, so, just funny story because you mentioned wanting to talk about it. My very first year as an advisor, um, we had a student that the kids were absolutely obsessed with his hair mm. um, because it reminded them of Moana. Uh, the guy, uh, Mo- the, what's the his guy. name? Maui. 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 So, play, so he play, told play all the, the rock, kids. Yes. He told all the kids that his name was Aloha. <laughs> his brother. So he said he was brothers with him. So like Maui and Aloha. Okay. And that stuck with him everywhere he went. Oh, did he? Yeah. So the Gardens of the Reef made and a mark in his life. That was two years ago, yeah. and he still those he's still kids Aloha? still see him and call him Aloha. Uh, so. Okay. Well, nice to be associated with the positive events. It's it's uh, um, is is is. Do you plan to be involved next year? Should your busy schedule allow? As long as I have the energy to continue, I will be involved. I, I'm, I'm with you there. That, that's my commitment to the future. God if you're going to do that, God willing, I have the energy and, you know, and, and the knees hold out, you know, all, all, all that other stuff here. Um, I, I think, though, um, uh, one of the other things that, that people should understand about, uh, about this program is to the degree to which, although uh, the Bureau staff is, is are key into helping to organize this here, is uh, how... Uh, the the teachers involved are basically volunteering your time for this here. They're they're not the uh, the guardians are not the only uh, volunteers. Or the teachers who make the to do this come on on a Saturday, uh, you know, after a long hard week, you know, go doing having to do God knows what, you know, in a public school, and they come down to uh, help uh, guide and 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 chaperone and. And help direct the workshops which the the gardens go through here in preparation for going out to the schools. And so, um, and 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 but I think this thing is kind of infectious. I Marie, who was a no representative, really didn't have to be there either. You know, it's still mm-hmm. because of her experience the past year, 
has uh, come in and, and got to, um, to be involved. Um, and that, I think, speaks to um, the real inspire. And I see this, say this word over and over again about inspiring, but that is the goal of the program. I it keeps on cropping in mind because I'm inspired by the young people that have agreed to be on this show and the work they do and the example they've set. Uh, but I, I think, it, it, you know, in a time when it's so easy to be skeptical and cynical about things that happen in the world, I think it's needs to be reminded that that may be true to some extent, but it's also the easy way out. And the hard part is to be part of the solution. So I want to thank you all, you the four guardians, and to you, Deirdre, as well, for being part of the solution and not letting that uh, deter you from helping to contribute to solve the problems of preserving the quality of life and, and the island we all love. So thank you all for that, and thank you all for being on the show. Uh, this is the Data Hub with uh, Tyrone Titano. I'm Tyrone Titano. And you can, if you those want to catch on the show, you can go to the Bureau of Statistics and Plans Facebook page. And in the next few days, they'll post the uh, podcast of the show. And you can catch up with it and, and listen to it at your leisure. So thank you all very much. Uh, good evening, and I'll see you next Tuesday. K57.